The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. James chapter number one for our text reading here today. The Gospel of James chapter number one. This morning we are kicking off a brand new series of messages that were simply entitled, Help, I Need to Change. And last week we kind of had an introductory message and today we're really going to start diving in to the meat of this particular series. And so it's good to have each and every one of you here today. I hope it'll be a help and a blessing as we study the Word of God together this morning. Uh, In this new series we're attempting to tackle a huge topic, and that is the topic of how change actually happens, or how change actually occurs. And so we're going to kind of wrestle through this a little bit over the next few weeks and uh, look at what the Bible says about how to change. And, and the reality is this, if you talk to friends or family or co-workers, there are a lot of different theories out there about how change takes place. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at what the Bible says about change, or what the Bible says about sanctification, the process by which we change. Now, before we dive into what the Bible says about change and how to, how to be transformed in our lives, we're going to take a little bit of time and we're going to look to kind of debunk uh, some of the common misconceptions that people can easily have about how change works. And, and as you look back on your life, you can probably think of times where you tried to change something about your life. Maybe you tried to change a habit. Uh, maybe for others of you, you wanted to change your health or you wanted to change your diet. We, we've all had times where even in the physical realm in which we live, uh, we've attempted to change something. And uh, this is true in the spiritual realm as well. When we want to see a part of our heart, we want to see ourselves develop into the image of a, of a Christ-like, Christ-honoring Christian and we attempt to change. And so before we look at how change does happen and how the Spirit of God, by His grace, changes us into His image, we're going to try to debunk some of the common misconceptions that people have about how change works. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment before we dive into our text how ridiculous it would be for me. Imagine I, I go to the Barnes and Nobles and I pull out a book and, and I'm, I'm wanting to change my health a little bit. And so maybe I grab some books on a proper diet and maybe I go and grab some books on, you know, just fitness. And, and for the next couple of weeks I just saturate myself in that information and I learn all about how to stay healthy in my diet and my eating patterns. I look at some books on fitness and how to work out properly and I gain all this information. I gain all this knowledge. I get all this understanding. I finish the last chapter of those books. I close the last page. I set it down and I think to myself, whoo, I am now healthy. How many of you would say, that's kind of ridiculous? To think that just because you learned something, just because you understood something, just because you have certain knowledge about something, especially around fitness or health, how many of you would say you could know everything to know about proper diet, you could understand everything you need to understand maybe to some degree about fitness, but unless you apply the knowledge, it really has no functional 
practical value to you. How many of you would agree with that statement? The reality is, yeah, I think we, most of us, just because we read a book, just because we take in some knowledge, that doesn't automatically change our behaviors. And, and I want you to see something. I, I, I remember a few years back, there was these big billboards everywhere, and they said this, they had this statement on them, knowledge is, anybody know the next word? Power. Knowledge is power. And, and the reality is, is we're going to study the Bible here today, Knowledge is not power. (laughs) Knowledge is potential power. Knowledge gives us the opportunity to see something changed or to see transition take place. Yet, if we're not careful, you and I, we can tend to believe that all we need to do is to change some of our information. If we can just learn something new, if we can just change what we understand, we can somehow be different. And yet the reality is, we tend to look at information, many folks, even believers, tend to look at information, intellect, and knowledge as almost a functional Messiah. What I might call a practical Savior. And we, we understand in the physical realm, we wouldn't just read a book and all of a sudden become fit. We, we wouldn't just read a book and all of a sudden our diet and our health is totally different. Yet somehow when it comes to the spiritual realm, many Christians start getting this idea that what I know automatically makes me spiritually mature. That because of what I understand about this book, because of what I know about the Bible, that is what makes me spiritually mature. And what we're going to talk about today is this. You might know more than any other person in this room about that book. You might be able to understand and comprehend and you could argue and you could give details and facts and lineage and all this kind of stuff. Information, religious information is not equal to spiritual maturity and heart change. And that's what we're going to unpack here a little bit today. And we're going to try to debunk this misconception from a biblical perspective. And I hope what it'll do is help us kind of get a proper perspective on how we actually change in our daily, everyday life. So inside your program that you should have received when you came on in, there is an outline that you can use uh, to follow along through the Bible study here today. I hope it'll be a help to you as we take some time to look at this passage. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand here as we read our text, the Gospel of James chapter number one. Many scholars have referred to the book of James as one of the wisdom literature passages of the New Testament. We tend to think of books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes as some of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And yet, many scholars tend to believe that even James might be a wisdom literature passage of the New Testament. There's a lot of wisdom in it. There's a lot of practical, functional advice for believers today. And so we're going we're gonna to look today at James chapter number 1. I'm going to read verse number 22. The Bible says in James 1, 22... But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. This morning I want to speak on the subject of real life change. We're entitling this sermon, Transformation, not just information. We need more than information. It's good. But it's not enough. And let's kind of tackle this together this morning, shall we pray?
Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, as I come to you this morning, I'm asking that you would all give us a spirit and a heart of enlightenment. Lord, I pray that you would do in our life what we cannot do. Though we can surrender ourselves to learn new things about your word, we can go to Bible studies and connection groups and listen to sermons and preaching on the radio and we can get from the Bible all these details and facts and information. The reality is this, God, that information is not our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. And while your grace uses this information, Lord, to develop us, we cannot get into the thinking that information in and of itself is enough, Lord. We want to see your grace do a work of transformation in our hearts and lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use your word here today to really help us to get a biblical perspective on the role of information in our sanctification and in our growth process of change in our everyday lives. Lord, I pray that you'd bless in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Secular cognitive psychologist and prolific author Gary Marcus uh, wrote a psychological paper entitled, Learn Something New and Your Brain will thank you. It was the title of the article. And in this particular article, Marcus went on to explain that when new information is presented in a novel manner, the brain actually releases dopamine into your bloodstream, giving you what he refers to as a mini high or a mini buzz of sorts. And and the psychological purpose of this is to help cement new facts into our consciousness. But the entire article went on to talk about how this dopamine gets released into our bloodstream whenever it is we are presented with a new fact, a new piece of information, and we learn something that we've never learned before. Um, This is why in many colleges we have what some of us would refer to as professional learners. I don't know how it was with you. We had one or two of these in in our college and literally they're like 35, 40 years old and they would just take class after class after class after class and that was their life. I mean they were just, they were were professional learners. They just went to school all the time. No, it wasn't like the purpose was to get a degree. It wasn't even like the purpose was to kind of do something with it. They just liked information and they just got information. It was more and more and more and more. And there's nothing wrong in and of itself of gleaning information, of learning something new. But information is not the end point. Information is not the goal. It is the means to a greater goal. And so in this particular article, Marcus, uh, Gary Marcus is unpacking some of why human nature tendency is to elevate information to almost a state of savior. Why we as humans look to more information and new information is that thing that is ultimately going to save us, fix us, and make us better. For hundreds of years, the primary source of new information after the masses had completed schooling was an organization, a place called church. For hundreds of years, people would work on the farms, they'd work in the country. And so people would work and they had very blue collar type jobs and then they would go and they'd go to church. And at church they would sit there and they would glean something new. They would learn something. And this learning is a good thing. 
to, to learn something, to, 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 to take in, to assimilate something new is a wonderful thing. And what would happen is, as psychologists would tell us, is when something is learned in a new and novel way, dopamine gets released into the bloodstream. Gives us a little buzz. Gives us a little high. We've all been there before. We learn something we never knew before. And it's like, wow, okay, that's neat. And what begins to happen is if that information is not applied, if the grace of God does not take that information and produce life change with it, where something different begins to happen in our lives because of that information, but we just kind of get addicted to the buzz, addicted to something new. We create a generation of Christians that are many information addicts. And obviously it doesn't have the social negative kind of, you know, stereotype as maybe some other types of drug abuse. And there's nothing wrong with that. God created us this way. He created us to have these dopamine releases into our bloodstream so that we might remember certain amounts of information. But here's what begins to happen. It's amazing to me that a church can stand up and say, we're going to have a Bible conference on end times. And I, I would agree, this is a, we need to understand about end times. And we need to understand the doctrine of these things. And we need to know this. But you put that out there, and man, it's like, poof, churches get packed. And then you stand up and say, okay, we need some people to go out and feed the homeless and the hungry. And there's a little handful of folks. It's like a disconnect. And you stand up and say, we're going to have a Bible study and we're going to learn some new things. And you'll have your strongest Sunday evening service you've ever had. It's just packed. People are there. Bible study. Woo, this is great. We're going to learn something new. And then we come up and say, hey, let's go share our faith with the community. And it's a handful. And we talk about, oh, this, we're going to do this service and this service and this service and this service. And all you have to do at all these services is just sit there and take it in. But then we say, here, we're going to have an environment where we're going to go out and we're going to take the information that God gave us and we're going to use it for the purpose that God gave us. We're going to go on mission trips and we're going to, we're going to help people less fortunate. We're going to minister uh, to the persecuted church. We're going to do these things. That's kind of like, eh. And what that might be revealing is that in the 21st century, the church has created a generation of information addicts they love to learn something new. They love religious information in a way that's novel and unique. I've never heard it that way before. But when it comes right down to it, the lack of application, the fact that there's no grace that really reveals that in any other environment, there's expressions of what has been explained to them. It might reveal something about our modern church that's unhealthy. That the modern church has basically become a place where people define their spiritual maturity by how much religious information they've acquired. And so in our churches, whoever knows the most about the Bible automatically becomes the spiritual maturest one. Now, is it true, and it's probably likely, that the person who's most saturated themselves in the Word of God is probably the most spiritual? There is a, there is a biblical correlation between that. However, it is possible 
to know the Bible inside and out, to know the facts, to know the details, and see that as the end to itself rather than a means to a greater end. There is a major disconnect. This is why the Apostle Paul so many times would say things like this. And as you read your Bible, you'll see these phrases. He said, you have need that one teach you again. (laughs) Wait, Paul, we already learned that. (laughs) We already know that. No, we don't need to learn this again. I got my dopamine fix off of that one. Give me something new. (laughs) And this is why Paul would say things like, I'm now going to stir up remembrance. Yeah, I've already taught this to you. You already learned this, but it's not been applied. The grace of God is not fleshing and expressing itself through it. So I'm going to stir up remembrance. He would say things like, I need to remind you. Do you realize that the Apostle Paul preached some of the same sermons over again? How boring would that be? How'd you like if I got up this week and preached the same thing I preached last Sunday? I promise you if I did that after a while, nobody would come. Because the majority of modern Christianity is not based on grace-driven transformation. God, I just want you to change my heart. I don't feel like helping the homeless. and I don't feel like feeding the poor. There's something wrong with my heart, God. I don't want just more information about how or what. God, change my heart so I actually can do this. God, I know what the Bible says about the Great Commission and you saving me by the cross of Calvary, but it's been a long time since your grace has done something in my heart where I've shared the message of the gospel with somebody. And maybe you're sitting here today and it's been weeks or months and maybe for some years since you've talked to somebody about Jesus and shared the message of salvation because you're perfectly content with just knowing it. And I'm here to say this. While there are ramifications of knowing the Bible and spiritual maturity, just because you know the Bible and the facts and the details does not equate to spiritual maturity. They're not equal. (laughs) This is... I, I hope this comes in the right spirit. Every once in a while, somebody will come up to me and say, Pastor, that was the greatest sermon you ever preached. That was awesome. And, and in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, basically, I spent 40 minutes just giving you historical context so I could lay the foundation for a biblical truth. And I was giving archaeology and I was pointing to charts and history timelines and telling you about King, all these things, because I needed to give you context so I could present a spiritual point. And people are like, that was amazing. You need to do that more often. And what it reveals is maybe people are more inclined to information than they are to transformation. Because I stand up and preach a message, let's all go be disciples and let's this week share the message of Jesus. And I ne- I rarely do I get somebody say, that was a good one. <laughs> That's uncomfortable. Because of more transformational nature rather than informational nature. And you know what the world sees? Oftentimes the reason the world has such an issue with the church is because they see a group of people who are more concerned with information than transformation. Because we see ourselves and we judge ourselves by what we intend to do and what we know and we judge others by what they do. (laughs) You see that? We judge ourselves. Here's what I know. Here's what I understand. And here's what I intend to do. And then we judge everybody else by not what they intend to do or what they know. We judge them by what they actually accomplish. And then it causes strife and contention and division because we love to be hearers 
of the Word. We love information. But transformation? If it's easy. (laughs) If it's convenient. If it's comfortable. And that's what Christ wants to do. You see, information is a step on the ladder to get us to the ultimate goal of transforming our lives into the image of Jesus Christ so that we're sharing our faith with those who don't have faith. So we're helping those less fortunate. So our generosity is just abounding in and through our lives so that information's not enough. We need transformation. Can I say this? We must change the way we attempt to change. As long as we have it in our minds that change happens because of how much I know. While knowledge is a grace that God gives us to grow us, information in and of itself is not enough. We need transformation that happens by the grace of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to look at two important aspects of change as it relates to learning something new. Notice our phrase here in this passage. I want you to see this phrase. It says here, not hearers only. Notice that word only. Hearing is important. Learning is important. But he says not hearers only. Only, which here you see here, James is reminding us just like information alone does not change us, just like reading a book on our proper diet doesn't make us a healthy individual, just like reading a book on how to be fit does not make us fit. What James is trying to remind us is just knowing the Bible, just knowing religious information, just understanding the facts about the Bible does not make you spiritual, spiritually mature, they don't equate to each other. Which leads us to our first point, and that is simply this. The inadequacy of information alone. The inadequacy of information alone. Now, depending on your personality, this is going to rub you eh, a little bit, or it really is going to rub you the wrong way. For those of you who are highly academically inclined, and you are the ones who love school from like the first day, this is going to rub you a little bit harder than those of us who are like, ah, I couldn't wait to get out. So we're all, we're all having different reactions to this right now, depending on our experiences, depending on our background, depending on how we see the world and our worldview and all those types of things. But there is an inadequacy of information. And he says here, not hearers only. The inadequacy of information. While there's nothing bad with learning, it is simply not enough in and of itself to change and transform our lives. Just knowing what the Bible says, just understanding it, just being enlightened to it is good. It's not bad, it's good. It's just not enough to transform our hearts into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're trying to put forward today. Uh, I was reading some statistics this week. The average person forgets 80% of everything they learn within 14 days. Now, you can imagine as a preacher how utterly discouraging that was. <laughs> I was like, I told my wife, I don't even know I'm doing what I'm doing. Because, and it's, it's real. Uh, you say, that's horrible. And then the other day, my wife asked me, what did you preach two weeks ago? And I was struggling. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm in the boat with you. 80% we forget within 14 days the inadequacy of information. 
It was John Newton. He wrote the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. John Newton had this to say on this topic. Christians who have the most knowledge are not necessarily the most spiritual. The person that goes to all the services and learns all, that goes to all the conferences and goes to all the seminars and reads all the books and goes to all the Bible studies and takes in and takes in and takes in. Those people probably are more mature just based on what I know from scriptures, but are not necessarily the most mature spiritually. Because information does not equate to transformation. Information influences transformation, but it does not equate to transformation. In fact, C.H. Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, he, he's claimed to have the first mega church in history. If you discount Church of Jerusalem, maybe, and some others that history knows of. But in the late 1800s in England, just, um, just God mightily used him. Thousands of members there in the great metropolitan tabernacle. He was even a little more harsh in the way he spoke to this. He said this, To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are the greater fools for it. There is no fool as great as the knowing fool. I think we've been there before, right? You ever had to engage somebody who's just full of pride? Like they know all the right answers and it's just like, ah, you're right and so wrong at the same time. And that's what C.H. Virgin was saying. There's no fool as great as a knowing fool. We come to church and we get a buzz. And here's what we say. We learn something and it was presented in a novel, unique way. You learn something. I never knew that before. And here's what we go out saying. God spoke to me this morning. I felt it. Now, I believe God speaks through his word. I believe that wholeheartedly. But if we are not careful, we're going to allow chemicals in our bloodstream to define what spiritual maturity is and is not. And James, thousands of years ago, stood up and he's wanting us to understand not hearers only. Information is good, but information alone only is not enough. It's not enough. The reality is God has got something greater. Information can seduce us into thinking true transformation is taking place because we've changed our thoughts. Now there's a, there's a part of that. I'm not discounting how God uses the, the transforming of our mind in the process of sanctification. However, transformation is a change of heart that produces a change of life. And so if somebody is here and they're taking in information and they sit in all the services and go to all the Bible studies and go to all the seminars and the workshops and I'll take it in, take it in, and take it in. And there is not a maturing of sanctification, Christ-likeness in their lives. There's a disconnect. An unhealthy disconnect. Where they now are hearers only. So why, why do people, why do Christians and believers get stuck into this? I'm going I'm to explain this. You know why we like to equate religious information with religious um, just maturity? 
Let me give you a couple reasons. Because it feeds our ego. It does. When we know more than most people do, we feel superior. I know something they don't know. We were trained this way from a young age. School's great. It's wonderful. We have many great teachers here this morning. But from a young age, we found our value in how well we learned something. From, from the age we were like four or five years old, we, we got blue stars when we learned this thing and, and no stars if we didn't. And so our very identity, our very, our very sense of self-worth was anchored to how much information we could accumulate. And so it becomes part of, our, it's just the core of who we are. It's not a bad thing. It's just not an ultimate thing either. It's not the end goal. It's simply a means to something far, far, far greater. And that is transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. Here's another reason why believers get sucked into equating religious information with spiritual transformation. Here's the next reason. Here's why. Because it is easy to do what you're doing right now. To sit still as the preacher instills. And so we like to convince ourselves that what we're doing in this moment is really something big. After all, there's a lot of people at my work, they wouldn't do this. And I got family members, they wouldn't do this. And I'm not, I, I'm not trying to vilify, obviously, going to church. That would, that would not be good. But here's what I'm saying. This is why, as believers, we begin to convince ourselves that... that Acquiring religious and spiritual information equates with spiritual maturity. The two don't equate. Now, there, there are common denominators. Most people who are taking in the word of God tend to be more spiritually mature. There, there is that connection there. However, the two don't equate with each other. You, you might know a lot more than I do. Somebody down the road may know less than you do and actually be more spiritually mature than you are. No! Yes. You say, no. They, how can they be? They may not know as much, but if they're allowing the Spirit of God and His grace to flesh out everything they know and they're yielding to the Spirit of God in that area and allowing God's grace to live in them and live through them, can I say this? They're more spiritually mature. They're more surrendered. They're growing in sanctification, maybe in a way that you're not. And that's okay. We still love you. And what I'm trying to do is help us understand, before I talk about how change does happen and transformation does take place, I need us to understand what it is, and we need to understand what it isn't first. And it isn't just more information. That isn't the ultimate goal of coming to church. Well, I've been going to church for 35 years, you know, and... I must be the most spiritually mature. You, you probably are. I'm going to give you that. But you might not be. Because the two don't equate. We must change the way we change. It's easy to take in information. And that's why we'll go to Bible studies. And that's why we'll go to church. And that's why we'll... Man, yeah, sign me up for this conference or this seminar. All these are good things. And we should, we should probably be involved in them. Just make sure when you're going to them, you're not seeing them as the ultimate thing. They are a means to a greater end. 
And that is the glory of Christ as he transforms you into the image of Jesus. So, we can't be seduced into thinking that just knowing is enough. The inadequacy of information, point number one. Let's move on though. Notice this. James says, he's being very practical here. Not here's only. He says this. But be ye doers of the word. You see, God does not just want to inform us. He wants to transform us. He's not just trying to inform our heads. He's trying to transform our hearts. His ultimate goal is not to fill your brain up with all types of religious information. Now, if that will help you be transformed into the image of Christ, He will grant you that grace. But ultimately, He's not waiting for you to get to heaven so He can give you a Bible quiz. He wants to transform you into the image of Jesus. So when you're, in a, when you're upset with somebody, you respond like Jesus responds. So when you're starting to gossip and backbite, all of a sudden the Spirit of God is transforming your lips. When you're watching and listening to something that's not going to help you conform into the image of Jesus Christ, His Spirit starts to transform you. Not because you're going to do it, but because God's just at work. Transforming your life from the inside out. Which leads us to our final thought this morning, and that is this. Not only do we see the inadequacy of information when it comes to changing our lives. It's good. It's not bad. It's just not enough. Leads us to our second thought, our last thought, and that is the importance of transformation. The importance of transformation by God's grace. My friend, we don't need just more information. We need transformation. And where information helps that along and where God uses His grace through information to grow us into the image of Christ, praise God for it. Man, praise God for His Word. Praise God for Bible teachers. Praise God for preachers. Praise God for pastors that are trying to instruct and trying to help. Praise God for biblical seminars. Praise God for all these things. We're not vilifying them. We're simply saying we as believers and Christians can't see them as an ultimate ends unto themselves. Jesus and being conformed to His image so that we could glorify Him to the nations. That is the ultimate end. And information, when it leads to transformation is a blessing. But information, when it's seen as the end, creates pharisaical, arrogant, pride-filled, self-righteous believers. God doesn't know what to do. (laughs) Well, we know this and we know that and we know these things and those things. Praise God. How is that affecting your doing? (laughs) When was the last time what you knew about the gospel caused you to share the gospel with an unbeliever? When was the last time what you knew about the love of Jesus changed your heart to love somebody who was an enemy to you? When was the last time where what you knew about God's blessings towards you changed the way you were generous toward others who didn't deserve it? (laughs) 
I want you to see this. Go back to the passage. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Notice the next phrase. Deceiving your own selves. There are people, believers, Christians, who have been deceived. It might be in this room there are some of you who have been deceived. Because you think knowing is an ultimate thing. And so your entire worldview revolves around information. How can I get more? How can I give it more? Rather than seeing it as a piece of the puzzle in God's ultimate goal of glorifying himself through the transformation of his people. It's it's important. It's great. Just like the book at Barnes and Nobles. It's a good book on dieting and eating healthy, but it... The knowledge itself doesn't actually change anything. It's not an end. It's a means to an end. It's not an end. It's a means to an end. And the end is the glory of God through our hearts and through our lives. More than just information, it's about transformation by God's grace. Many are deceived into thinking that hearing and just knowing is enough. It's not. That's why people will come to church for three years and four years and five years. They'll take in and they'll take in and they'll take in and they go away and their lives have never been changed because they got into a thinking that I, knowing is enough. Knowing is good, it's not enough. It's not enough. Notice what the Bible says in James 2.26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You say, I got faith, I got belief, I know what to believe, I know what to say, I know, I got understanding, I've got enlightenment, and, and God comes along through James and says, yeah, but your faith, what you know, what you understand without works... It's dead. It's there. It's not good for anything. One of the ways we know when God is using the grace of information for his intended purpose is when it produces transformation, not just more information. That's how we can discern if we're being deceived or not. Does it change? Does it transform the way you treat your enemies? Because if it doesn't, then maybe you're being deceived. Does it transform the way you talk about somebody you don't like? Because if it is not, then maybe you're being deceived. Does it change your materialistic lifestyle into one of generosity? Does it take your selfishness and make you generous? Because if it's not, maybe the information's deceiving you. See, James is trying to say here, there's a whole group of people and they somehow got it in their heads that knowing's enough. That knowing's an ultimate thing. And they pride themselves. They find their self-worth and all that they know and they'll tell everybody they come in contact with what they know. And James is saying, great, I'm glad you've been informed, but let me see you be transformed. Because by their fruits, you shall know them. 
See, we're talking about change. We're talking about being transformed. And while information will play a part in that, it is not the ultimate. It's an ingredient in transformation. It's a part of transformation. It's something God's grace uses to transform. It's just not the only ingredient. So faith, without works, is dead also. It's dead. This might be in your service program, but the greatest way to grow is not by simply learning more, but by applying more of what you already know by God's grace. The greatest way to grow is not simply by learning more, but by applying more of what you already know. This is why people come to church... And they'll come and a preacher will preach on something and preach. And and it's like, why do you always talk about evangelism? Or why do you talk about sharing your faith? Or why do you talk about beat generosity? And why do you talk about these these things? I want to learn something new. Tell me something about the lineage that I never heard before. Share with me something about ancient archaeology that I didn't know before. And then eventually they go away and they're like, I just don't think I'm being fed here. (laughs) What what they might be saying is, I'm just not getting my dopamine fix anymore. (laughs) Because they are more prone toward information than transformation. And so a pastor, a preacher, will stand up and try to encourage, wait, yes, information's good, but it's got a point. It's got a purpose. And the purpose is transformation. It's a part of the puzzle. It's, a, it's one of the ingredients. It's a good thing. It's just not an ultimate thing. And those of you who are connection group leaders and those of you who help other people in Bible study and those of you with children and grandchildren, give the religious information. Give biblical knowledge. But don't train the next generation to think that it's an ultimate thing. God gives us that grace for a purpose so that it can be applied by His Spirit and with His strength. We're not just trying to change our minds. We're trying to see Christ change the heart that ultimately changes lives. This is why people come to church and they want a checklist. Tell me five things I never knew before that will change my whatever, finances, relationship. Because if I didn't know them. And so they run out and they got this this dopamine high. Woo, this is good. I learned something I never knew before. It gives them hope. It gives them like, yeah, I can do this. And then all of a sudden they realize while their head was informed, their heart was never transformed. And by Wednesday, it's like, what's the point? And so it's like, I got to get to Sunday again. So maybe I can get, I got to get something else. Maybe something else I'll learn. And, And they they literally, they anchor their hope to a piece of fact. Your hope is not a fact. Your hope is not a detail. Your hope is Jesus, praise God. That's your hope. Your hope is more than just a detail. Your hope is more than just a fact. Your hope is the person that we nailed to the cross. It is His Spirit residing in you, using the facts and using the information to transform not just your mind, but transform your heart into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's your hope. It's your only hope. Jesus, His Spirit working in you, His Spirit working through you to accomplish what I cannot accomplish, what my intellect, what my logic, what my knowledge can impart unto you to do what your logic and your intellect and your enlightenment and your understanding could never accomplish in and of itself. You need something more. You need the grace of Jesus to make that dry information Take life in your everyday existence. 
you need Jesus. Biblical information without grace-driven transformation eventually is pointless. Here's what the Bible says. Eventually it's going to lead to wood, hay, and stubble. Well, God, did you know what I knew? And God's going to be like, hey, let me share with you what I know. (laughs) Blow your mind. Uh, This is why, um, just to give you some insight about our church, when somebody maybe is struggling financially and maybe having a hard time to pay the bills and things and, and just not being able to make things connect. This is why as a church, as disciples, as counselors, we, already, we always start at the heart, not just the head. Here's why. Because if somebody is struggling with materialism, covetousness, and discontentment, I could give them every Dave Ramsey money makeover tip in the world. I could go through, you know, whatever it is this, you know, seminar is on finances, and I could give them every tip found in every book in Barnes and Nobles. But if, if their heart is covetous, materialistic, or selfish, every detail, every fact, and every piece of information on finances is not going to help that individual because they don't have a head problem. They have a heart problem. So we start with the heart. Here's what I found. Even people who authentically really do, they don't have a heart problem. They authentically have an information problem. They they just need to know more. When you really deal with the heart, guess what? We live in the information age with something called Google. And when somebody's heart gets right, guess what? It's amazing how the information can just, it can get there. About three keystrokes on a keyboard. Information in this day and age, didn't know what you know. We're in something called the cyber age. It's like really close. Information's not the big need of our society today. They can get it pretty quick. Heart transformation is what we need. You deal with that, and you know what? Most people have access to the information. And they, believers, we can come along and we can guide that, we can direct that. But there are far more people on the internet who are more eloquent than I am who know more of the Bible than you do, connection group leader. Information's not the, not the big great need of the day. Transformation is. And that takes Jesus. And God uses the local church as a conduit of grace to speak into that transforming need. Spiritual maturity is not first about becoming an intelligent or enlightened person. Not first. But rather, obedient person by God's grace. See, you can have all the intelligence and all the enlightenment, but if you don't have a heart of surrender and yieldness and obedience, none of the information is going to do you any good anyways if your heart is not submitted to God's will. Let's, let's keep going here. I think they threw it on there. Most Christians, I'm going to say most, not all. This is not an exclusive statement. Most Christians are educated well beyond their levels of obedience. And if you could stand up and say, well, that doesn't apply to me, then I, you, you can leave now. Most Christians are educated. I'm going to put myself in that group are educated, are enlightened, well beyond their levels of obedience. And I think that that would go for the majority of us. And yet, why do we go to church wanting that next piece of information when what we really need is the grace to live out the information we already know? Dopamine high, that's why. 
I like to feel that something new, novel. I got to feel it. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is not the ultimate goal of your spiritual existence is to get a little buzz in your bloodstream. God's got something greater for you. He's got something more. He wants you to be transformed to the image of his son so that your life might glorify him to the nations. And that takes more than a little dopamine. The inadequacy of information. The importance here of transformation. Wisdom is defined as this. I don't know. Wisdom. One of the definitions I love for the wisdom is Jesus living his life through me. Information is what I know. Wisdom is the practical, functional outflow of that information. And so we like to say wisdom is Jesus living his life through me. I can know everything in the world and not be wise. That's what C.H. Spurgeon said. I can know what I need to know. I can understand what I need to understand. But if I'm not living it out, if I'm not applying it, if it's not being flushed out in my daily life with my enemies, being flushed out in the way I deal with irritating people, flushed out in the way in my marriage and with my family, then it's not wisdom. It might be knowledge, but it's not wisdom. Wisdom is when we allow, we surrender, and we let Jesus live his life through us, him living his life through us. We must change the way we attempt to change. If all we do is we look to some book and we look to some seminar and we look to some Bible study or even some sermon to be the magic little, you know, to change everything, you're going to be sorely disappointed in me as a pastor. You're going to be sorely disappointed in your connection group Bible studies. You're going to be sorely disappointed in this Bible study or that Bible study, this seminar, that seminar, this conference, that conference. Because in the end, all the information in and of itself will let you down. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is what you need. The inadequacy of information. The importance of transformation lest we be deceived. A couple of you actually might remember this. One of the first, what we called preparing for revival meetings that we ever had here when I became the pastor. We had an evangelist. An evangelist is somebody who travels around and preaches. And he came to our church and was just phenomenal. And I remember one of the very first services. And we were all excited. We were praying about it. And we were looking forward to having And we, I think if, if I remember correctly, we were going to go like six days and every day we were going to have a meeting and we were going to learn something new from the Bible. It was going to be incredible and I'm looking forward. We're having uh, evangelist John Van Gelderen back with us again next year and we're really excited about that and there's definitely a big place for this thing. And I remember he, he got up and we were all on the edge of our seats and some of us had our notepads and our pens ready to go and we were ready to take it in because we wanted to experience something spiritually new and, and experience something spiritually reviving. And so we called it a revival meeting. We were going to pray that God would revive his people. And I remember on the first day we were on our edge of seats waiting and this evangelist got up to pray and he prayed something just like this. Lord, these people don't need me to teach them anything new. This is his prayer. So if you would just grant them the grace to actually obey what they already know, we would experience a spiritual awakening of epic proportions this week. And I was like, I was ready for the sermon to be ended there. And I was like, Wow. He ended the prayer and he spoke into that for a moment. He said, you're an educated group. You know the Bible. But you're not living close and applying close to even the things you already know. 
And he says, what's the point of me to get up and to give you something new when you don't even have a track record of obeying, applying by God's grace all the things you've already learned? Man, I just... God's Spirit just spoke to my heart. There's a lot of truth to it. Can I say this? At the end of the day, really, you don't need to know or learn a whole lot more. Now, we're going to continue to teach the Bible around here. We're going to continue to do connection with Bible studies. We're going to continue to encourage seminars and conferences and books. We're going to continue it because it's a part of the grace that God uses. But we will never let that become an ultimate thing here. It is one ingredient that God's grace uses. It's a good thing, but not an ultimate thing. It's good, but not enough. Jesus, his grace, his power, and his strength is what we need, not just to be informed in the head, but to be transformed in the heart. Most of us who are believers in this room right now, and if you've been in church for five years or more, if you're here, in fact, let's just do this. How many of you, you've, you've spent at least five years of your life in a church environment? Would you lift up your hand? Okay, most of us have spent five years... So, so I think this statement is for most of us. Most of us who are believers and been in a church for five years or more have more than enough biblical knowledge to be living at levels far beyond what we are currently experiencing. I actually believe that most of you have enough information about marriage, most of you, to be having a better marriage than you're having now. You know... You understand, you've been enlightened, you have the information you need to live at levels of obedience greater than maybe you are right now in your marriage. I, I think I could say, yeah, I agree to, for me. Most of us have the information we need, the knowledge we need to be living at greater levels of obedience in our relationships with others than we're currently living at right now. Here's, here's my point. I don't think information's our problem here, folks. In fact, we would probably be blown away if we could have a visual of the biblical information that exists in this room. Could you imagine if somehow we could take all the biblical knowledge that we had collectively as a group and somehow visualize it on this screen? I mean, we would be like, man... I mean, just James alone would like blow our minds for those of you who know James. Here's my point. If we're not careful, we tend to look at church and we don't even understand it. We just want a buzz. We want a religious buzz and we don't even know it. But at the end of the day, we don't really want to be transformed. We just want to be informed because it feels good. Pastor, teach us something new. Present it in a way that I've never heard it before. And we'll keep, we'll just keep doing the thing we do. (laughs) We'll keep going at it. Can I say this? Help, I need to change is not just about more information. I hope you get some information in this series. But I have to help you understand it's more than information. It's transformation. While there's nothing bad with learning, it is simply not enough in and of itself to create change and transform our lives. Jesus alone can do that. So practically, as we end this, how does Jesus change us? 
How does this practically, functionally actually happen? And that's why we're having this series. And I want to encourage you to come back as we just go through the Bible. And while information is a piece of that puzzle and it's an ingredient in that recipe, let us not be deceived into thinking it is the ultimate thing. It is enough. It is not. We don't just need information. We need transformation by the grace of God. We must change the way we attempt to change. Information can change the mind. But only surrendering to Jesus can change the heart. So what area of our lives do we need to surrender to God's will? What is it that you already know? That you've already learned? That you already understand? That hasn't really changed you very much? It hasn't really conformed you to the image of Jesus. Even though you got it here, somehow it just doesn't express itself here. Could I encourage you to surrender that area to the providence of God and say, God, I'm not just wanting to be informed by your grace. I really want to be transformed. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father,